Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, a big development from the world of sports. The Nets basketball team has suspended Kyrie Irving indefinitely and without pay following a really bad press conference earlier in the day in which he failed to apologize for his retweet of a link to an anti-Semitic film. He also further defended himself and he wouldn't answer whether he holds any anti-Semitic beliefs. The suspension is going to last for a minimum of five days. And there was a lot of pressure on him. A lot of people were saying, okay, apologize, come out. And it really was not an apology in any shape or form. And now the Nets have decided to suspend uh, superstar Kyrie Irving, saying he is currently unfit to be associated with the team. And we will keep you posted on developments on that on the Rita Cosby Show. By the way, tonight we have blockbuster guests on the show. We have Nick LaLotta, who is running in the vacated seat by Lee Zeldin. You know, New York Congressional District 1, which is the North Shore of Long Island. Lee Zeldin, of course, is running against Governor Kathy Hochul. And that seat will be wide open Nick Lalata wants to make sure it stays red. He is a Navy vet, has an amazing story. Also, police in his background, lots of other military in his family, as well as obviously his own great service. And he's going to talk about some of the big issues that are on that plate in that race. Crime, inflation, the border. Uh, there is so much more and we're going to talk about all of that. He is going to be joining us in just about 10 minutes or so from now in a big, big, very important race, as there are a lot of signs that many, many locations will see a red wave. Could it be a major red wave, even in the blue state of New York? Well, Nick Lolota wants to make sure that he keeps it that way and that it stays red in a very, very important seat. Really impressive guy. He is going to be joining us in about 10 minutes from now here on the Rita Cosby Show. Also, all day today, we did a big Back the Blue tribute to our great men and women in law enforcement. You know we do it every night here on the Rita Cosby Show because we love our great men and women in law enforcement across this country. And we're going to be talking to former NYPD Chief Terrence Monahan about how tough it is to be a cop right now and about the issues they are facing. And also his reaction to so many politicians on the Democratic side who are like, uh, what are you talking about? What crime? It's just a figment of your imagination. It's a right-wing conspiracy. What a bunch of hogwash. It is clearly soaring. It is clearly rising. We all feel it. 
And I think it's such an insult that Democrats are trying to portray it as if it's not happening. Well, we're going to talk to somebody who's been on the front lines in law enforcement for decades, former NYPD chief Terrence Monaghan is going to be joining us in our Back the Blue segment tonight. And also in the next hour, you know, AOC, squad leader extraordinaire, if you want to call her that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is left of the left of the left. Well, she has a big time challenger, Tina Forte. Tina Forte is going to be joining us. She is a businesswoman, a mother, a grandmother, has an amazing life story, a big Make America First politician. She is a patriot who loves this country, loves the military, loves also the men and women in blue. And she is going to be joining us at uh, a little bit over an hour or so from now to talk about her race and why AOC seems to be afraid to go up against her. So we have an action-packed show tonight here as we are just a few days away from the all-important midterm elections. And crime, for sure, is on the ballot. It seems like the Democrats don't get the memo, though. I mean, it's really incredible because it's like every time we turn around, one Democrat is like, what crime? What do you mean? Even Barack Obama was on the campaign trail because he's out there. They don't want Biden out there, the Democrats, so they're trying to pull in something, and they're pulling in Barack Obama, even Bill Clinton was on the campaign trail, basically saying it's basically a figment of our imagination, which to me is such an insult and it is such an outrage. And I want to hear from you how much you think that crime is on the ballot when you go to the voting booth now in less than a week, just a matter of days. The fact that Democrats seem to have an apathy, they seem to have a disconnect. They seem to have just a second sort of form of reality from what we clearly see with our own two eyes. You see it walking down the streets of New York. You see it walking down many streets across this country. And the fact that there are people who are running for political office at this phase, this is when they try to like look like they're kind of throwing out the kitchen sink and making promises to you. So it makes me think, if they're already saying now, that basically crime is a right-wing conspiracy. Can you imagine once they get elected and they have free reign or if they continue in their positions? If this is what they think to try to curry favor with the electorate, it ain't working. And it makes me really scared what will happen after the election because then they don't have to, like, you know, coddle anybody. Then they don't have to curry favor with anybody. And if they really think it doesn't exist, it makes me think they're not going to do anything to try to fix it. And that, to me, is extremely alarming. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And, by the way, as we talk about crime, uh, FBI warning that there are major, major potential alerts and a big warning technically from the FBI field office there in Newark, New Jersey, saying that there is credible information about a potential threat to synagogues in New Jersey. And this comes also, by the way, as crime is rising across this country. One of the latest cases, and there seems to be so many every single, single night, a homeless man with 25 prior arrests Busted in the rape of a New York City jogger. This is astounding. Wanted now for at least two sex crimes. 
He has 25 prior busts. He was arrested, thank goodness, today in connection with the rape of a jogger in New York City early Thursday morning. The 29-year-old suspect taken into custody, thank goodness. But then when you look at his rap sheet, you're like, how is this guy even walking the streets? And many of the other cases are sex crimes. They are larceny, they're assault, uh, they're multiple attacks on women and men, robbery. It goes on and on and on. And that's why crime, no doubt, is on the ballot big time. When we come back, we're going to talk to Nick Lolota, who is running to fill the vacated seat by Lee Zeldin. And crime is on the ballot there, as well as economy, border, so much more. Meet this impressive Navy veteran coming up. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. With Lee Zeldin surging in the polls against New York Governor Kathy Hochul, there is also a tight race to fill the congressional seat that he vacated to run for governor. In that first congressional district of New York, located on the north shore of Long Island, Navy veteran Republican Nick LaLota is running against former prosecutor Democrat Bridget Fleming. And joining us now is the man who hopes to keep that coveted seat red, Nick LaLota. Nick, great to have you here on the show. Great to be on. Thanks so much, Rita. You know, your background is really amazing. And I want to have people get to know you and your history serving, first of all, in the Navy, you got incredible accommodations, including a Joint Service Commendation Medal in support of the Global War on Terrorism, deployed to 20 countries. Your life really is a mission of service. Yeah, and my whole family has served in one way or the other. My father was a police officer. Both of my grandfathers were police officers. My stepdad was a Navy man. My brother's the real hero of the family, spent 20 years in the Marines, earned a Bronze Star in Iraq. And yes, after the Naval Academy, I served 11 years in the Navy and got to really fall in love with this country, confirming my belief that we live in the greatest country our world has ever known. I think it takes good people to step up to ensure that they are of service, to ensure this great country's future is as good as its past. You know, one of the big issues that you talk about on the campaign is security, um, national security, um, but also crime. We are seeing such a huge skyrocketing of crime. Talk about just your thoughts on that, Nick, because especially understanding your family's history and your history. Your dad was a Nassau County police officer. You mentioned your grandfather's also NYPD officers. So, you know, we love you here on the Rita Cosby show. Um, but I want to hear why also uh, you believe that the Democrats seem to, for some reason, overall seem to be in the sort of denial that crime is existing, and you see it in the polls, it's a huge issue, and it definitely there in the 1st Congressional District. You know what? People don't, most people don't want that much out of government. They just want the opportunity to be successful, live their own lives, and they want government to provide some basic safety and security to them. And we're at a moment in time right now where that's lacking. Somehow this, this has become a one-party issue where one party subscribes to the notion that we should back our cops, that we should fully fund our cops, that when it comes to providing rhetoric, we should say things supportive of our cops. 
and the other party wants to coddle the criminals. And I'm happy to be of the party and running with the Republican and conservative endorsement this year because I think folks in my district understand that now is do or die time, that either we stick up for our way of life and put our country back on the right track or risk losing it all. And that's why I'm running for Congress this year. And you are running against a Democrat Bridget Fleming, a former prosecutor, um, also someone who served in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Talk about sort of the different approaches to crime uh, that you have versus she. Well, I'm not sure how, you know, her, her service from a couple of decades ago in the, in the DA's office. But, you know, lately she's been saying things like the, the riots of 2020 were justified. She called the accidental killing of Breonna Taylor not an accident, not negligence, but murder. And she's been calling for things about putting more money into social workers and less money into police. Now, that's the exact wrong path for our country. Our country should be investing more in our cops, more of our public safety, and ensuring that we make a clear distinction between the good guys and the bad guys. There's a clear distinction in this race, and the voters in this first district are coming to know it. And everybody, we are talking to congressional candidate, uh, GOP candidate Nick Lolota, Navy veteran, and also also uh, somebody who is serving right now, chief of staff of the Suffolk County Legislature, also elected twice to the Amityville Board of Trustees, too, as well. And Nick, you know, when I heard also Manhattan DA in her background right now, that's not necessarily a good thing, because the first thing I think about is Alvin Bragg. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, criminals are going wild in Manhattan. You know, Alvin Bragg is not applying the justice that he should. You know, the, the legislature has written laws to ensure that we can hold criminals accountable. The DA has exercised some poor discretion, his lack of prosecuting a lot of those bad guys. And I'm looking forward to the day one of a Governor Zeldin administration where he fulfills his promise to fire Alvin Bragg. It's not just his constitutional right to do so. What Leah said is his constitutional duty to terminate Alvin Bragg and to give safety back to New York residents and to folks living and working around New York. As someone who spent uh, so much of your life in service, and we talked about the military service, what are your thoughts about everything that's happening with immigration? Because that's also a huge issue. We've seen in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams set up the tent city. Um, but it seems like across the country, many Democrats seem to be complaining about many of the problems that have happened. They're criticizing, of course, the Republican flights. They don't mention the Democratic flights or the Democratic buses coming in, too, as well. But what are your thoughts about how to handle that and also the situation at the border as someone who understands it very, very well, dealing with national and international security for so many years, Nick? Well, there's plenty of blame to go around on the illegal immigration issue. And I think that first you could look to Secretary Mayorkas and the Biden administration's lack of ability to secure our border. Right now, we have tons of people, weapons and drugs crossing the border, which is leading to fentanyl deaths. More than 200 fentanyl deaths per day is the leading cause of death of folks between 18 and 45. That drug is being made and synthesized in China. It's coming through Mexico and killing plenty of Americans. And there's a responsibility that's not being held by the federal government to secure our border. But also the sanctuary state and city and county policies that have been promoted in a lot of the blue states like New York have made every state in the nation a border state. We've, we've become magnets to ask people to come illegally to our country and to these blue states. We need to do two things. The federal government needs to secure that border, and the blue states need to reverse those sanctuary policies that have rewarded folks for crossing illegally.
you also are a big supporter of Israel. There's been a lot of late um, with anti-Semitism has been a big issue and obviously a troubling trend. Yeah, there's, there, there shouldn't be any tolerance for uh, religious intolerance in our, com- in our country. And strategically, there's no greater partner that we have than Israel. You know, Israel's fate is, the, is a similar fate to the United States fate in that the folks who would want Israel wiped off the map want the same fate for the United States as well. It is right to continue to bend with Israel, to join together, to share intelligence, to share assets, to do things, to help defeat a common enemy. And that, that's a reality that we should all acknowledge. The squad is way off base with how they approach the issue. If I get to Washington, I'll be a champion to help promote a very strong strategic relationship with Israel. Which is so, so important. And, Nick, do you feel uh, it's going to be a bit of a red wave in New York just because, you know, Lee Zeldin, as you pointed out, that race is neck and neck. Uh, your race is um, is also very, very competitive. Uh, you're doing great, uh, which many people are watching closely. They want to keep that seat red. Do you feel that there will be this movement in New York? Is this a, a really a time? You think about what happened, you know, uh, decades ago when Pataki came in. Are we feeling sort of the same moment across the state, including in your race? So certainly there's political opportunity on our side. And when I speak with voters throughout this all Suffolk County district, you know, the, the, our issues that we're campaigning on with respect to the economy, with respect to public safety, with respect to border security, certainly voters recognize that we're right on these issues and the other party is wrong on those issues. And if you want to call it a wave, so be it. Okay, fine. Count me in. But there's a lot of work still to do. There's a lot of voters with whom we need to connect still to ensure that when we go to bed on Tuesday night, we feel successful that we did everything possible to get our get our folks elected and to help put this great country back on the right track. I don't want to wait for a wave to come in. I want to help create that wave and to ensure that we make connections between candidates and voters to win up and down ballots to put this great country back on the right track. Nick, I'm actually going to be hosting on election night. So you got to call in. You got to let us know, especially as the results come in. For folks who are listening, because this is crunch time, as you know all too well, just a few days away, how can they help you? How can they find out more about you? Sure. I'm all over social media under my name, Nick Lalota. And I also have a website, nicklalota.com. Our Get Out the Votes efforts cost money. If folks want to chip in just a couple of bucks, that would help out greatly to ensure that we win on election night and help govern this country the right way come January. Well, law and order is so pivotal, so important. And I thank you for your service. I wish you so much luck on election night. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking to you on election night uh, right after the results come in. Nick, thank you very much for being here. Thanks so much, Rita. Appreciate you having me on. Wow. What an interesting story, too, with his military service, his family's military service, also the law enforcement background with his dad, and now he wants to fight crime, anti-Semitism, inflation, and so much more in that key seat vacated by New York GOP gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin, who is, of course, as you know, running up against Kathy Hochul. Uh, let's go to your calls. Let's go to Frank, line one. Frank, your thoughts about all this. Hello, Rita. I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you doing? What do you think about? Do you think there'll be a red wave? Um, I really do. I, I think I'm hoping and I hope everybody gets out there and votes. And you have to. You have to stand up. I know I'm calling from Canada, but the same thing is happening here and it's going to change here, too. Be- 
because you can't speak your own mind. You can't do this. You can't pay your bills. You can't do this. And people don't understand here, and I argue with a lot of people. They say, well, it's got nothing to do with us. We're Canada. Yes, it does. We're the biggest traders in the world, back and forth. And you're, and, and by the way, Frank, as you know all too well, if you don't feel safe, nothing else matters. And you're right. You're our neighbors. World security, America's security, and being safe uh, bleeds over to everywhere else and vice versa, too. And it's so important. Coming up, our back, the blue. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, the role of police and in fighting crime, they are key issues in the midterm elections for sure. And who could forget This moment in the recent New York gubernatorial debate when Lee Zeldin blasted Governor Hochul over the issue of repeat offenders and her seeming to not want to answer the question. You know, it's amazing that we're going to be able to go through the entire crime conversation of this debate. And we're still waiting for Kathy Hochul to talk about actually locking up criminals. I mean, people are at home waiting for action to make sure that the handcuffs are going on criminals instead of law-abiding New Yorkers, so that people can go walk the streets of Manhattan instead of having to call an Uber just to go two blocks because they're afraid. People who have changed their behavior, they're not riding the subway at the same hours. Maybe they're Jewish, they take their yarmulke off because they're afraid of being attacked. Maybe there is a woman, they tell me these stories of having to hug a pole or grab a guardrail because they're afraid of being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. There are criminals out there who need to pay the consequences for their action in Instead of the catch-release policies that Kathy Hochul champions. And joining us now is a great public servant. Terrence Monahan was a cop for nearly four decades and served as chief of the department for the NYPD from 2018 to 2021. Chief Terrence Monahan, so great to have you here as we back the extraordinary men and women in blue. Thank you, Rita. It's always fantastic to be here uh, and, and how you back the people that go out there and serve each and every day. Uh, that's, it is absolutely wonderful. Well, we love and appreciate all of you so much. And I want to start with, Chief, how tough is it to be a cop right now? We're seeing so many stories about the mass exodus from the NYPD retaining great men and women who want to serve. How tough is it out there? You know, it's it's very tough right now. There are things that the men and women deal with every day, uh, but everything's secular. It was very tough when I came on jo- on the job in the early 80s. You know, there was a lot more violence back then than there is now. We were coming out of the 70s when cops were being assassinated on the streets. Uh, it's a tough time, but things get better. And anyone leaving the job or considering coming on this job, just have to remember, it's probably the greatest profession in the world that you can be involved in. Nothing gives you greater satisfaction than to help people, to be able to take care of that person in need when they need it the most. You know, it's going to be tough. This job is always going to be tough, but it's the greatest profession in the world, most rewarding. Uh, 40 years of policing, I wouldn't give it up for anything else, all the ups and downs. Why did you become a cop? Was there something in you that said, I want to make such a big difference? I came from a family of cops. 
my grandfather was a cop back in 1927. My father served in World War II, came out in uh, 1946. He was a cop. My brother became uh, a police officer back in 1972. It's all we ever talked about. It's all I ever thought about. Uh, it's what I wanted to do. It's something from day one. Uh, the second I graduated high school, I took the police exam. I was able to spend a couple of years in college. Right after I turned 20, I came on the job, never looked back, and never thought of doing anything else uh, with my life. Every day is different, too. I mean, that's the one thing I always tell, and I have a lot of friends, as you know, and the police forces across this country, and I always say a prayer for them because no stop is a basic stop. Even a routine stop, they don't know, uh, could be extremely dangerous, as you know. How tough is that? And how do you get that mindset to just go to what is the unknown every day? You know, it's something you get used to. Uh, you know, half, three quarters of your day could be absolutely boring, nothing going on. And then all of a sudden, the most tragic thing in the world could be happening right in front of you. You have to react quickly. You always have to be on your guard. But uh, you have to remember why you're out there. It's to help people. And it's something that you get used to. You know, you sit in your radio car, and all of a sudden that call comes over. You hear the three beeps. It's a, a 1013 officer in assistance. It's someone with a gun. All of a sudden that adrenaline pumps right up, and you're running towards the danger. And that's what we're trained to do from day one, and it takes a, a special person that does this profession that is looking to run towards the danger every day. So it's something you get very, very used to, and sometimes even look forward to getting out there and, getting your hands dirty and getting involved with the things that need to be done. And thank goodness for men and women like you who are running towards the danger, as you talk about. How important is it to have the support of community? Because today we're shining a light. Um, by the way, we do it every day um, on my show. Every day I do a segment called Back the Blue because we love you and appreciate you and all of you who have served um, so nobly this profession and done such a great job. How important is it, though, for the public to understand about supporting law enforcement? And and how do you feel when you hear even some politicians talk about defund the police? I think, my goodness, no, refund, uh, double the police, don't defund the police. Listen, uh, you need community support to get this job done. You know, the police are the community, the community are the police. Uh, and the vast, vast majority of people in New York and around this country support law enforcement. Regrettably, there are those with loud voices that come out and are always trying to put down the police. A lot of them are the criminal element. Yeah, criminal element, people who are doing crimes, they don't like the police, but we're the ones out there that are going to catch them. And as for politicians who, who scream to defund the police, they'll be the first ones to be calling the police when something is going on, something is happening to them. The police are needed in the community. The police have to be responsive to the community. They have to work with the community. I've gone into the toughest neighborhoods in this city, and never once did I hear someone say, get the police out of here. They're always asking for more because they know these are the ones that are going to go out there and risk their lives to save people in every community in this city. I, I, I really can't stand those who have no idea what it's like to be out on the streets who are saying, take police away. Every time we take police away, we see crime go up. And that's what's happening in the city now. They defunded the NYPD by over a thousand police officers. 
and crime is up. The numbers are up. Less police officers out there mean less police officers able to do neighborhood policing, getting to know their communities, because now they're tied to that radio running from run to run instead of having a little time off the radio to be able to interact with the people in the neighborhoods that they see each and every day. It is a huge mistake to get rid of the police. When we had it back in 2016, 2017, 2018, the lowest crime numbers this city had ever seen, while decreasing arrests, decreasing summonses, decreasing stops, decreasing uh, people incarcerated. It's a system that works when you have the right number of police officers out there. You know, that's a great point because you're right. They're so stretched thin uh, that they can't have that downtime or they are, you know, or they're limited to one person on a patrol in some cases. I mean, there's so many issues. What about also the fact that there are politicians out there saying that crime's a figment of the imagination? What do you say to that, too? I have them try to tell them, walk the streets by yourself without your security detail. Go out there and see what it's like out on the streets right now. Talk to that poor, poor, poor person that's sit in their house and hear gunshots echoing through their neighborhoods. Crime is going up. Is it where it was back in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s? No. There are so many systems in place that the NYPD has that can't keep it in check. But we are not where we were and where we should be. Again, I keep folks in 2017, 2018. This city had that perfect balance, the right number of incarceration, the right number of arrests and crime at numbers that hadn't been seen in the history of the city. And politicians thought, well, if we do even less incarceration, give less authority to the police, crime will continue to go down. Well, they were dead wrong. Yeah, and we are all paying a dear, dear price for that. You know, you were chief, of course, um, of NYPD during the riots of 2020. How difficult was that, uh, Chief Monaghan? Because you even were attacked by a guy uh, on the Brooklyn Bridge. We all saw that. I remember that moment. Yeah, that was the worst time I've ever spent in policing. To be out on the streets, thousands of people screaming at you, yelling at you, spitting at you, throwing rocks, bottles. Everything that they kept, Molotov cocktails, shooting fireworks at us. Uh, no matter how many cops we were able to put out there, we were having a tough time getting the city back under control. And it wasn't just one neighborhood, like incidents has happened in the past. This was going throughout the city. It was a real tough time. And what made it worse is the cops that went out there got injured, made arrests, ran people who were burglarizing stores, looting assaulting the cops, uh, the guys that assaulted uh, myself and Lieutenant Mack, who broke his eye socket on that bridge, they're still walking the streets today. This is over two years ago, and they're still out there, still out on the streets, has not faced prosecution at this point in time. I think that's dead wrong. Cases are coming up, but the criminal justice system needs to move a lot faster so that there are consequences right away for people's actions. One thousand percent. And before I let you go, Chief, what message do you want to say to Americans about the importance of policing and appreciating the officers? I, I hope you know whenever I walk by a member of the law enforcement, I say thank you. And and I try to, you know, I sometimes buy them a cup of coffee. I give them a hug. I give them a thumbs up. Um, but 
what message would you want to say to Americans who are listening about how important it is to support our great men and women in law enforcement? You, you said it perfectly. This is a matter of say hello to that police officer. That's the same man that's going to put his life on the line for you if you're in danger. Understand that they would do it unselfishly. We're not looking to be praised, but you just don't want to be spit upon. You don't want to be cursed upon. You don't want to read about an actions of one bad police officer in Minnesota downgrading 900,000 uniformed officers across this country because the vast, vast majority of them are outstanding individuals, outstanding humans who are willing to die for you. You have to remember that, and there's nothing better than just a hello, a, a quick smile even as you pass that police officer to understand that he's appreciated. But that's all they want, just to feel appreciated. Well, we certainly do, and it's really an honor to have you with us, former NYPD Chief Terrence Monahan from a family of law enforcement that goes way back. Uh, you were destined to be uh, an officer and a chief, and it's so great to have you here. Thank you for your service and also for joining us as we always back the blue. Thank you, Rita, and thank you for backing the blue. It's something that every cop needs to hear. Appreciate it. And everybody, by the way, uh, you can go to my Twitter feed, at Rita Cosby. You can also go to WABCRadio.com, of course, our home station in New York. And you can check out some of the images from today. Um, we had a whole bunch of different law enforcement. I was so glad to just have Terrence Monahan on the show just now, uh, a great longtime chief of police in New York City. Imagine being out there during the riots, the so-called Summer of Love. And every time I hear a law enforcement officer talk about that, I get so angry that there are still Democrats out there who deny that it ever happened or deny that it was a riot. We just had Nick Lalota on, uh, who is running in New York Congressional One. And he was talking about how his challenger, the Democrat, basically said they were peaceful protests. If you were out there in the summer of 2020, you just heard from Chief Monahan, they weren't peaceful protests. And that's why I hate this hypocrisy by the left. You know, Terrence Monahan was beaten. He is the chief of police of the NYPD. He was beaten during the protests. One of his colleagues had his eye socket blown out. Uh, this is not like, you know, like a peaceful. This wasn't Mary Poppins out there in the summer of 2020. They were all over the streets of America, and they were beating police officers. And the Democrats, for the president now to come out and say, oh, you know, uh, the violence on the right, the violence on the right. His speech last night was just so disgusting. We're going to talk about that in the next hour, especially as we're just hearing uh, from great folks who care about this country and care about law and order. And you hear the story of which Chief Monaghan just shared with us. It makes you so angry that these Democrats are just playing this denial game. The finger pointing at the GOP. Everything is January 6th, January 6th, Trump, 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 Trump. And yet the Democrats are like, nothing to see here, no crime. The only crime that's ever existed happened on January 6th, according to them. I mean, it is the craziest, craziest thing. And to me, I just think people are fed up. People want to hear, what are you going to do about solving crime? What are you going to do about inflation? What are you going to do about border? What are you going to do about, you know, critical race theory? You know, all these different things that are happening right now with the elections just a few days away. And that's why I think that they are just getting clobbered in the polls. And I think 
that it will be a very good night for Republicans next Tuesday night. By the way, I'll be with you on Tuesday night through the election, so we'll be going through it together. And I'll be really curious to see which races pulls out. There will always be some surprises, but there's a lot of races that typically usually are in a blue area. And right now, Republicans are leading, or at least they're neck and neck in a couple of these. And those are real bellwethers and will really tell the tale of what is going to happen in this critical midterm election. And the fact that they keep kind of denying crime over and over again, I just think it's so shameful and I think it's so disgusting. And I think we see through it. Um, case in point, you had heard Lee Zeldin's comment that he said during the debate. And this is the moment that I think sunk Kathy Hochul. This was her reply to him in the debate. This is cut 2C. And this is where she basically replied. Remember, he said, you know, why won't you answer me about criminals? Why won't you reply about criminals? Why don't you give an answer about what you're going to do with criminals in terms of repeat offenders, especially because these people coming over and over and over again, getting locked up. And here is Kathy Hochul's remark. I think we have it ready. This is Kathy Hochul replying to Lee Zeldin in the debate. Remember, this is the moment that everybody said she really lost that debate. This governor, who still to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. I don't know why it is so important to you. Guess what? Governor Hochul, crime is important to all of us. And after days of denying it, first saying, oh, it's a right-wing conspiracy, it's this, it's that, she finally, it made a headline that she conceded that, quote, crime is an issue. You know it's bad. That like She's like, what crime? You know, uh, the GOP has exaggerated it. They've done this, they've done that. Well, she did an interview a little bit ago, and she finally conceded that, yeah, there is some sort of problem with crime. Take a listen to this one. Well, I'm focused on the solution, you know, how you characterize something. I acknowledge there is a crime issue. That's why it's not new to me because it's election time. I've been working on this throughout my entire time as governor. Yeah, I've been focused on this my whole time as governor. Meantime, crime is skyrocketing. She wouldn't even concede it's an issue. But she finally, can you imagine in 2022, skyrocketing crime in major cities across this country, You have the governor of New York where crime is soaring. The numbers bear it out. She's been denying it over and over and over again for months. Uh, She has not scolded her soft on crime DA. She said, I'm going to give him some slack. And then finally, a few days before the midterm elections, it's like she has an epiphany that, quote, crime is is an issue. As if that's like, sadly, it is a headline. Because she wouldn't even say it wasn't even an issue. We see it with our own two eyes. It is unbelievable. And so today, she had some more firepower with her. She had Hillary Clinton. Kamala Harris was with her at the rally. And good old Hillary Clinton went back to the crime is exaggerated playbook. Listen to this. You know, they don't care about keeping you safe. They want to keep you scared so that you can't think straight and They don't want to keep you safe. They want to keep you scared. That is what Hillary Clinton is saying. In other words, you don't have to be worried about crime. Hillary says crime is no problem. 
I want to get your reaction when we come back, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Will Democrats get a big wake-up call? Because guess what? Crime is an issue. We're going to talk about it when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in the next hour, I can't believe this, a noted historian of all places, of course, MSNBC, basically said if the Republicans win the midterms, your children will be arrested and killed. I mean, are you kidding me? Talk about unbelievable, inflammatory, ridiculous language. We're going to talk about that when we come back. And lots of reaction to President Biden's sham of a speech last night that was just so unpresidential and so disgusting. Going Trump, 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 and not even talking about crime, inflation, or anything else. That's coming up in the next hour, and I can't wait to get your thoughts on that. Let's go to Anastasia online too. Anastasia, we're talking about a law enforcement and police. Go ahead. Good evening. Thank you, Rita, for answering my call. I want to say thank you very much to Chief Monahan for uh, that lovely uh, talk that he had with you. I am in tears right now because I have a son-in-law who's a police officer got hurt on the job, and now he's disabled. And the first, when he came home injured, the first thing he said, I cry not because I'm in so much pain, because I won't be able to help the people anymore. Wow. And I know, I know that people like Chief Monaghan, there are many out there. I love the police, and I support them very much. And every time I see one police officer, I feel so safe. One thousand percent. And by the way, Anastasia, um, just because we're coming up against a hard break, I want to say thank you, first of all, for your son-in-law's service. And you're right. The men and women in blue, like your son-in-law, are the best among us. They are heroes. We need to support them. And we need to support candidates that back the police. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Shameful and so disgusting, everybody. Some of the reactions that have come from President Biden's speech last night. And to me, it was just, I thought, an abysmal performance for a sitting U.S. president to basically not just double down, but triple down and smear every single, basically, Republican Anybody who ever valued the Make America Great Again values, Trump, any of those things, Biden just went full throat and went after President Trump. And to me, it just shows how desperate they are. Clearly, the Democrats are worried about the polls. They're clearly worried about what people are talking about, this red wave, what is going to happen in the midterms. And Biden knows that if his clocks get cleaned, during the midterms, and he loses the House and maybe even loses the Senate, 
Well, he's out of there, whether he wants to stay or not. And I'm not sure if he even wants to stay. I don't even know if he knows if he's staying or coming or going. Because every five minutes he says that uh, election night is November 9th. No, it's November 8th. My son died in Iraq. No, he died back home. Uh, when the war is happening now in Iraq. No, it's happening in Ukraine. So there are so many things that need to be corrected with this president. And you can see it in the polls. He is not helping the Democrats whatsoever. He's like a big old lead weight, and they don't want him around. You can see he is not out there on the campaign trail. This is crunch time, and this is typically where you bring in, you know, your ace. And usually the president is usually one of the aces. You bring him out there. You bring him out to the rallies to galvanize crowds. You bring him to rile up people. You bring him up to just get people out to vote. And... You can see it all over the place, all over the country. Candidates do not want Biden to be with them because he they just don't feel like he's helping their campaigns. So we've seen even former President Bill Clinton's been out there. Hillary Clinton has been out there. Kamala Harris has been out there just a little bit because they don't really want her too much either. And Barack Obama, the former president, is out there left and right, too, as well. And he is basically saying, oh, Republicans bad. Don't believe them. Don't do this. It's all exaggerated. The whole thing with crime. It's this whole what crime? What inflation? Everything is go after Trump and go after mega maga. It's like this new phrase. And I'm still trying to get over that speech last night because it was just so outrageous and it was so preposterous. And I thought it was so unpresidential. And to me, it just shows that they are so worried. They have clearly seen polls and probably some internal polling, I'm sure, no doubt, that shows that these are the major issues, that they don't feel safe. The polls show basically more than 70% don't feel the country's heading in the right direction. That includes independence as well. So those are really the ones, the key ones, that really push you over the top in an election. Those are the ones you need. And if predominantly independents are saying, We don't like what we're seeing with the Democratic Party. We don't like what we're seeing with Biden. We don't like where things are headed. Then they are in big time trouble. And that's why just a few hours ago, President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, came out and he was on the media basically saying, I'm giving you, quote, a final warning. That's what the president's message was. It was a final warning to America. Um, Like we're going to go off a cliff. If Republicans get into the House and Senate and take one or both of those chambers over, I mean, that is the most ridiculous, preposterous, disgusting thing to say from an administration that claimed that they were the unifiers, that they were the ones who were fed up with the mean tweets by President Trump. And what they have said, I contend by saying it's a final warning, like the world apocalypse is coming to an end. What is it? Dante's Inferno, you know, right before it's about to erupt. It's like, if you don't vote for Democrats, Dante's going to blow, you know? I mean, that is the most preposterous, outrageous, outrageous, outrageous comment. And to me, it just shows desperation. It is so pathetic. And it just shows that they are willing to do anything and to win at all costs. What are your thoughts, everybody, as to where the elections are headed? We are now just a few days away from what is an important election. But I contend it's for a whole different reason than Ron Klain. 
I contend that we need to bring in candidates that push for law and order, that care about this country, that care about our men and women in blue, that care about freedom, that care about making sure that we can walk safely across the street, that we can go to the grocery store without being worried about being mugged or pushed into a train or, you know, things that are happening across the country. This is obscene, the climate that we're living in right now. And Republicans need to continue to get the message out and say crime, 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 crime. Because just looking at it, the Democrats are saying, oh, it's one big facade. It's imagination. I mean, it is preposterous. Again, tonight, Hillary Clinton doubled down and basically said crime is the part of the vast right-wing conspiracy. Remember, she's always had these vast right-wing conspiracies. So now crime is the latest one on her agenda. So to me, it just shows that they are so disconnected and all they care about is January 6th and they don't seem to care about the quality of life for everyday Americans. Case in point, here's a little bit of Biden last night. And I want to get your take on how he said these comments and how you think it's going to bode. Do you think that these comments are actually maybe going to backfire? They're designed to hopefully rally the base for him. That's their intent. But do you think when you hear his chief of staff say, oh, it's the final warning, and then the president says, do or die, basically get out there, uh, do you think that it's just going to turn off voters? Do you think that most people see it like I see it as one big smokescreen and one big just political game for them? Here is what the president said last night. The country's worried about economy. We're worried about inflation. We're worried about border. There are so many things to be worried about. And Biden, shockingly, all he can talk about is President Trump. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. And then he further said, we have to reject violence. And all I kept thinking about was, where were you during the summer of 2020? We just had Terrence Monahan on, the former chief of the NYPD, on in the last hour. And he was talking about how he was getting beaten during the 2020 riots and how one of his colleagues had his eye socket blown out, basically. You know, but, oh, no, according to Biden and Kamala Harris and those people, there's been no other crime. No other crime anywhere in the country, just on January 6th. Take a listen. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America. Right. So where were you? I agree with that. But where were you when the Democrats were committing violence? Where were you? Where were you when the Rubio staffer was assaulted? Where were you when the guy showed up outside of Kavanaugh's house? I mean, this to me is just so disgusting. And so many people are reacting to this today and just were viscerally Disgusted, even independence. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here's a little bit more of President Biden saying this is his final warning to the world. Here it is. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot 
all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And to take it up to a whole other level, in addition to President Biden, on MSNBC, guys, last night, this is amazing. Right after he does this Darth Vader speech, which was just dark and dreary and everything else, and I just thought unseemly, unpresidential and unseemly. Michael Beschloss, who's a noted historian, definitely a liberal, but claims that he's an independent. This is what he said on MSNBC, and everybody has been reacting to this today. This has gone viral. Take a listen to what this guy said, reacting to that nutty speech by Biden. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. Is he talking about Biden staying in power? I mean, that is the most unbelievable. If he can write, he thinks if Republicans take over, look at what Elon Musk has already said. And I think he's uh, somewhere in the middle, independent, depending on the day, right? As soon as he took over Twitter, he's like, okay, I want a lot of sides to be voiced. So all sides is a problem for the Democrat, as long as it's only their side. Think about what happened in the Hunter Biden case, the fact that that story was blocked. No Democrat has apologized for that. And that absolutely could have impacted the election. I think it absolutely did. Because if you look at some of the polls afterwards, people said, had they known that there were questions about Hunter Biden and potentially Joe Biden, well, maybe they voted voted differently. And those were Democrats who said that and independents who said that. So that could have absolutely altered the election. But they're now worried about free speech, that fair speech and free speech is going to alter the course of history, their history. I mean, that is the most presumptuous, disgusting thing. Shame on this historian. This, to me, is so gross. And then he kind of doubled down and basically took a, a cue out of the Biden playbook. Here is Michael Betchloss, again, historian on MSNBC. Six nights from now, we could all be discussing violence all over this country. There are signs that that may happen, may God forbid that uh, losers will be declared winners by fraudulent uh, election officers or secretary of state candidates or governors or state legislatures. We could be six days away from losing our rule of law and losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. Right. Six days away from losing our rule of law. In Georgia, where they claimed that it was what, the new rules were Jim Crow 2.0? They've had a record number of early voting. How is that Jim Crow 2.0? I mean, if anything, it has made people more incentivized to vote and easier to vote. I mean, this is just, it is such a bunch of disgusting smears. And it gets better because here is Sunny Hostin, one of the hosts on The View. And listen to how she described female Republicans. Wait till you hear this comparison. What's also surprising to me is the abortion issue. Um, I read a a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women 
are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's, it's I think like that's they're that's voting, no, it's they're voting to the against, we, they're we, voting no, against no. their own self-interest. Do they want to the live in Gilead? Okay, do they so want to live in the hands Do we love democracy or not? Because just saying that it's, it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right for their family and the idea that well, the you should have a say women, for everyone else's vote. The fact that women are voting against you their own You had a different view on abortion not that long ago and you were I have that it. view. But that issue is... Right. But, then why, but then why is another woman but not I am very able to have a view? that white Republican suburban women but why are voting so recently against their own the health care. I have not really recently revolved, uh, uh, um, evolved on the issue. I am Catholic. That is my faith. I believe that abortion is wrong for me. There's a separation between state, a government, and church. And I do not have the right to tell someone else. Sonny, However, they are voting against their own self-interest. Wow. It is like roaches going after raid. I mean, how disgusting is that? And if you vote Democratic, boy, what's, uh, you know, you're a hero. But if you vote Republican, you have a screw loose. I mean, that is the most, the vile from the people who claim to be the unifiers who are upset about a Trump tweet. Are you kidding me? Real quick, let's go to Phil on line two. Phil, your thoughts about all this. This is amazing. The rhetoric, because it gets uglier and uglier, of course, as it gets closer to election day. But I don't remember it ever being just this disgusting, Phil. Rita, 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 I'm going to lay it on the line. I, I'm a military guy. I, I was in the service, and I, I know what, what order and responsibility means. When I look at the Democratic Party and all these people, Pelosi, Schumer, and, and Sanders, and the rest of them, and the cascade of them, these are people who have one thing in mind. They want to play God. They would sell. These people are so low and filthy and, and, and soiled in their hearts and minds and souls. They would sell their own grandchildren for body parts. They will pull stunts in the next five to seven days, including the day of voting. I wouldn't be shocked, and I've spoken to my buddies about this, and they agree, that Biden is going to pull a stunt where he's going to have United States soldiers, American soldiers, at the voting at the voting places where you physically vote, this will be a form of martial law. It's illegal. Number one. Number two. How would you feel if you're going to a voting station, a voting area, and you see six soldiers standing there armed with M16s? What is signal? Does that tell you yeah. you're going to turn? If you're a Republican, no you're going to turn high tail and run. And you know what's interesting, Phil, about that point. And I know you know this. Um, you're a sharp guy that Republicans typically do better on day of. So it's interesting that, oh, they have no problem with, uh, unsecure boxes or anything now. <laughs> no problem. Let's fight, uh, you know, voter ID. Let's fight, uh, the rules having the signature in Pennsylvania that got overruled just recently by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. No problem for the Democrats on that. But suddenly on voting day, we want to make sure things are above board. Um, and that's why they're going to say, quote, you know, do something. And I wouldn't be surprised, Phil. I wouldn't be surprised that they would try to do anything they can to make sure that Republicans can't somehow make it to the voting booth or some problem or something coming up because they are clearly they think the end of the world is coming.
And if that's how they really feel or if that's what they clearly say, uh, people who think the world's coming to an end do very desperate things. And that's why it, it is crazy, this rhetoric that they have, and it's inflaming people. And it also makes you wonder, too, if suddenly somebody does show up or there's a threat somewhere or whatever. You know, I mean, we certainly want everything to be peaceful on all sides. But you wonder, yeah, are they going to show up and suddenly say, oh, there's a problem here. We're going to have to move people to another location or who knows what. I'm just telling you, it just makes people at least just not feel uh, secure with the system. And that alone is not a good thing. We have to trust our system and feel that it's fair for everybody, for everybody's sake. And when we come back, we're going to take your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are talking about the smears by the Democratic president and his many minions in the media who seem to be even doubling and tripling down. I couldn't believe this historian basically said, if the GOP wins the midterms, your freedom of speech is going to be gone. Your kids could be gone. The history of the world could be gone. Uh, I want to know what this guy is drinking. He's drinking some really strong stuff. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to, let's go to Charlie, line five. Charlie, real quick, your thoughts. Yes, I want to respond to that previous caller who said that if military people, soldiers show up with M-16s at the polling place, it'll make Republicans run. I couldn't disagree sharply and strongly and more. But when I show up on Tuesday at the polling places, if I were to see soldiers there, it would make me at the polling place, that is, it would make me dig in my heels more and make me even more determined to vote. I'm not running or cutting and running from anything I intend to vote on Tuesday. Bravo. By the way, Charlie, I love that. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And everybody, nothing should stop you from voting. I agree with Charlie. Uh, but some people may go, gosh, what is going on here? Uh, but that is a great, great point. You're a great American, and we have to get out and vote one thousand percent charlie there is no gray on that and everybody by the way when we come back we're going to continue with your calls and also we have a special treat we have tina forte is coming up she is running against alexandria ocasio cortez aoc is afraid to debate her she hasn't debated her Tina is a proud American. She is the daughter of a Marine Corps veteran, has an amazing story, proud of this country, proud of Make America Great, and she's going to be coming up soon after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Hero segment, which I love doing every night here on the show. And by the way, we're going to have a veteran's daughter coming up, Tina Forte, in just a second to talk about her race against AOC. She is definitely a patriotic American and can't wait to talk with her about the race. But in tonight's Support Our Hero segment, this one comes from Santee, South Carolina, U.S. Army veteran Robert Edwards, U.S. Marine veteran Thomas Potts, U.S. Army veteran Rufus Rucker, and U.S. Navy veteran Matthew Ferguson were honored this week with a quilt of valor. 
for their service to the country as part of a Veterans Day program held at their assisted living facility in Santee, South Carolina. Uh, Edwards, Potts, and Rucker are all Vietnam veterans, while Ferguson is a Persian Gulf War veteran. The men had various experiences serving in the U.S. military, but all of them had one thing in common, a love of country and a dedication to duty. The first quilts were presented overall from the Quilts of Valor at Walter Reed Army Hospital in Washington, D.C. Though the quilts can often cost hundreds of dollars to make, the South Carolina Department of the American Legion, the commander there, David Mills, said they are given freely to veterans. Mills said, you have already paid the price for them. We award this quilt of valor as an expression of gratitude from a grateful nation. And we certainly are so grateful for our men and women in military who keep us safe every single day. Well, of course, safety is on the ballot with the midterms now just a few days away. And it's really interesting because we're seeing a trend in a lot of really key races that even some big Democrats and often lifelong Democrats are switching parties or deciding at least to maybe vote Republican this go around because of crime, because of a whole bunch of different issues that they just feel the Republican candidate is better at. And case in point, listen to this lifelong Democrat who said, I'm not voting for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I am voting this time around for a Republican in New York. This is a big deal. She's been lucky. But right now, the Hispanic community, I'm a Hispanic like her. And we are turning, we are turning, we are fed up, and we are asking everyone to vote for Tina Forte. Tina Forte is the person, she, even though I'm Hispanic, I am asking the Hispanic community and my, my, my parishioners and my fellow ministers to support Tina Forte in the Republican line. And that is lifelong Democrat and former New York City Council member, Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr., who says AOC has lost him and many other Hispanics. The Democrat is now supporting our next guest, Tina Forte, who is the Republican nominee challenging Congresswoman and diehard squad member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Tina, great to have you here on the show. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. What is your reaction to see a diehard Democrat like Ruben Diaz Sr. saying that Alexandria Cortez has lost him and he believes many other Hispanics, too? And he's saying, vote for Tina Forte. I never thought I'd see my life. Uh, Ruben he, Diaz Jr. voting and pushing for a Republican. He is an amazing man. Not only did he endorse me, he put on one of my T-shirts yesterday in the district, and we went and put signs up, and we shook hands with business owners. He campaigned with me all day. What do you think it is? What is driving him, and do you believe other Hispanics and others to say, you know what, I've been a Democrat a long time, but now, this moment, I'm voting for the Republican, voting for you? Well, the Democrat Party lost their way. They're, they're radicals. And I fight for freedom. And I fight for the same values that Ruben Diaz believes in. 
better schools for our children. We need God back in our schools. Safe streets. The American dream for Americans, people that came here legally. Close the border. We have the same values. I'm pro-life. I'm America first. It's, it's amazing. He's an amazing man. And when he did that and he actually campaigned for me, it brought tears to my eyes. I got to spoke. I got to speak in his congregation in front of all other Hispanic clergymen, all their churches. I was there with all of them. Well, what do you think it is, too, at this moment, Tina? Because people are, I think they're looking also at crime. Um, You, as you bring up, you've been a huge supporter of law enforcement your entire life. Um, But is it just that people are just so fed up and so disgusted with economy, crime? Um, Is this what could be a red wave, especially in a very blue area where AOC is? Yes, and people absolutely do not like what's going on with our children in the school system. They do not, they don't want that weird stuff taught to our children. And they don't realize how far left they are. Even with their, their abortion policies, giving birth to a baby. I'm full life. I adopted my own granddaughter because the, my son was young and the mom didn't want to have my granddaughter. We didn't know what the baby was going to be at the time. So I said, move into my house. And when you give birth, if you still feel the same way, I'll take the baby. And I took my granddaughter. She calls me mommy. And these are strong values. I have very strong American values. I love freedom. We we are a country based on freedom. And we're losing our freedoms. Every day that goes by, we're losing our freedoms with this party. And, And it has to change. I'm a freedom fighter. Even before I decided to jump into the race, I was fighting for freedom. During the lockdowns, I back our blue. I walk the streets with the law and order flag in Manhattan to City Hall. I'm a fighter, and that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here fighting for every one of us for this district. And everybody, we are talking to Tina Forte, who is running against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And you just heard it, too, that there are Democrats who are crossing over voting for her and, of course, many, many others could be part of this big red wave that some are saying very well may happen in our beloved New York. Um, you know, last time around, AOC in 2020 um, really beat uh, the Republican candidate. It was like 71.6, 27 to 4, 27.4 percent was what the Republican pulled in. It seems like this time, uh, this is going to be a much, much tighter race. What are you sort of hearing? I know you haven't been doing too many polls, but what are you hearing? What are you feeling is going to happen on election night right around the corner, Tina? I'm feeling I'm feeling good because I see the excitement. I bring excitement. When people see me, Rita, they get so excited. They get happy. They, they praise for me. They have tears in their eyes because they know I'm, I'm a real person. I'm not a politician. I'm a regular person. And I'm going to stick to my word. I'm not AOC. AOC used the district to push her radical left agenda. She auditioned for the part. She did. She auditioned for the part to become Congresswoman. And when they see me, it's just amazing the people that are supporting me. The Bangladesh community endorsed me. The Jewish press endorsed me. These were all Democrats. These were all people that would never, ever vote for a Republican. And they're voting for me because of my stances and where I stand on our country, on our freedoms, on our way of life. 
You know what I love? You got involved in politics, too. Like, as you said, you've always been such a great supporter of freedom and our law enforcement and who we are as a country. And, you know, you've always been an influencer, a businesswoman. But something changed right around COVID time where you said, you know what, I want to get involved. What was that moment that you said, I'm going to do this? I got out of the hospital because I almost died of COVID. Um, I was denied my hydroxychloroquine. And I was just, you know, I was born and raised in the district, got married in the district. I raised my kids in the district, I business in the district. And I just, you know, I saw food lines, the things that we never had in this district before. Food lines, our, our senior citizens waiting on line for food, the lockdowns, the businesses being destroyed. I said enough is enough. And my dad, may he rest in peace. He's a Marine. And he fought in this con- for this country. And I have his badge tattooed on my arm and I have the American flag tattooed on me. And I looked at my mom. I told her what I was doing. I said, if daddy was alive, what would he have said? He said, Tina, go for it. So I did. I went for it, Rita. And here I am today, still fighting. I love it. I went stop. I'll never stop fighting. I love your spirit. You know, I want to ask you, too, what do you make of all this stuff coming from President Biden and other Democrats? It seems like they sort of had the, this, you know, constant line of basically, um, you know, uh, anybody tied to, you know, MAGA is a threat to democracy. And we've just heard some horrible vitriol, I think, from the president and others in recent days. What are your thoughts when you hear that uh, everything is January 6th, everything is election deniers, they don't talk about the issues? No, he's, he's deflecting from the issues. The economy is horrible under him, under the Democrat policy. Crime is out of control due to Democrat policy. So taxes in New York right now are out of control. They've always been. They're hypocrites. AOC wants to come with her law enforcement. She wants to call the NYPD when she comes to a town hall. She wants to make sure she has security. She wants to fly off to Florida for her to live her freedoms while she had everyone in the district masked and called us murderers if we didn't wear a mask. And it's all they just want to deflect, deflect, deflect. And America First is a beautiful movement because it's for our country. Our country that people want to come to, that people wait online to come into because of the American dream, and they're stripping it away from us. And the illegal immigration has to stop, because I was one of the people who protested Orchard Beach on October 1st when they put tents in my district, and they were putting 1,800 unvetted men in my district that were going to get private security Food vouchers are dead while I have homeless veterans and I have homeless Americans in this district. And I said, not in my backyard, not in any backyard. And I called it Adoption Illegal Immigrant Month. 81 million of you voted for this. Come on down to Orchard Beach and take one home because you sure got rid of them quick when they landed at Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, they only stayed there when it was like 36 hours. And you're right. The hypocrisy is unbelievable believable on the left in terms of the immigration. Um, and that's all they can talk about. That's all they want to talk about is President Trump. And he did a great job because were we better off three years ago than we were now? Yes, we were. And you know what? They just want to deflect. They want to call us names. That's fine. I have thick skin. Call me whatever you want. But one thing you can't take from me is I love this country. Well, we can hear that through and through. And by the way, you speaking to your point, you have been asking AOC. Here it is. Literally, the election's a few days away. She won't debate you. And that's it's amazing. And the other thing that happened, I think, Tina, also about that moment when the constituents, she was having the town hall. 
and she mocked yeah. her constituents when they were she asking a question. Them. She's dancing. She's mocking. It's like she's tone deaf to the constituents, and she won't even take the time to debate. No, she does not care about her constituents whatsoever. She doesn't care about anybody in District 14. No one whatsoever. And you know what? They sat and they listened to her. When she wasn't hitting the issues on crime, they started asking her questions. She couldn't answer. So they started yelling, but they were yelling for the right reason. They're two genders. Period. End of story. We need to refund our police. She's the very congresswoman that wrote a letter stating that police on subways is racist. Look at our subway system now. People are getting thrown in front of trains. You cannot take a train right now in the city. And it's due to her policies that are doing this. So her constituents went and asked her, and she could not answer. She mocked at them. She laughed at them. She spoke down to them. And when you're a congresswoman, whether you agree with them or you don't, you're supposed to represent them. And she does not represent them. And I called her out plenty of times to debate me. I went to her office today, Rita. I went to her Bronx office with a microphone with my America First van, and I was yelling at, Donde esta Alexandria? Which means, where are you, Alexandria? And the, they were in there. They were, they were looking out the window, the people in the office. She knows I want to debate her, and she runs and she hides from me. Well, it's such a testament because here she is, you know, obviously, as you said, one of the biggest critics of police, uh, one of the people who said the world's coming to an end on climate change. I mean, there's so many things with her. Um, and yet, uh, when it comes time to face her constituents, she d- seems to duck or mock them and she right. completely ducks an opponent. And I would, I would have loved to have seen the debate with the two of you. And I think it's an incredible disservice that she did, uh, by not allowing the public to see it. But I am so exactly. glad that you're here on the show, Tina. Yes, I know so many of our listeners love you too. Thank you. They want to hear from her. AOC doesn't own the seat. The special interest doesn't own the seat. The establishment doesn't own the seat. The people own the seat. And I want to be a voice for the people. And they deserve answers. And they deserve to live better. They deserve to live the American dream. And they deserve their freedom. And, Tina, for folks who are listening, how can people help you? And how can people uh, find out more about you? Because this is crunch time. Tina40forcongress.com. So it's T-I-N-A-F-O-R-T-E for F-O-R congress.com. Tina, you are awesome. A business owner, wife, mother, also a grandmother, uh, daughter of a Marine, and a great, great patriot, yeah. and a great supporter of our country and law enforcement. Tina, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you, Rita. Thank you for having me. Wow. Uh, what a great patriot. It was so neat to talk with her just now on the show. Tina Forte, who is running against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is ducking and weaving, won't do a debate with her. What is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez afraid of? I think she's afraid of debating Tina Forte because Tina is she's on the ball. She is totally, totally uh, patriotic, loves the military, loves law enforcement, um, supports, you know, so many values of this country. And boy, I would have loved to have seen that debate. Um, but you can hear that Tina Forte is fighting. And who knows in this red wave? Could Tina Forte knock out Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Can you imagine that would be a real biggie? And we will be watching that, of course. We wish Tina lots of luck. Let's go to Norman, line three. Norm, your thoughts about all of this. Uh, what a what a powerful, as we're like, you know, in the final stretch here, Norm, 
And what a contrast between Tina and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's like night and day, Norm. Oh, I, what passion from Tina Forte. I mean, I remember her. She's been in some of the rallies that I attended, uh, anti-mandate rallies, and uh, she's very easy on the eyes, too. Anyway, um, yes, uh, I wish she was president. But anyway, getting back to uh, – I tell everybody, just remain calm and go and vote. I mean, I listen, I, I like Phil, and uh, I remember him from – he used to call the Frankie Russo show, and I know him from a long time. Uh, and he's a military the, guy. He's a military yeah, guy. I respect his – Right. I mean, I think his point, Norm, too, is that he right. just feels that the verbiage from the Democrats – I mean, like even this comment I was talking about from Ron Klain, who's his Biden's mm-hmm. right-hand guy, is this is the final warning. Like it's – you know, you're right. going off the cliff – that the Democrats just sound more and more desperate. And he just is, you know, is questioning how desperate will they get, you know, and and they clearly are worried. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you hear the heightened rhetoric, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not addressing issues. They're just throwing barbs. But you don't want to put the cart before the horse. Just, just, you know, take it easy. Uh, you know, you don't want to scare people away from voting by, you know, putting the idea that the we're going to have martial law. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, and by the I way, mean, you heard what Charlie said right after Phil's call. Right. Charlie said, uh, heck no, he'll, he'll that would actually make him feel comfortable to see right. security there. And I he said just, nothing's stopping him. And that's the right attitude. Right. I just want to I just want to tell people, uh, you know, I'm. I'm out there, uh, you know, on 34th Street, right across the street from Macy's. I'm out there in front of the LIR station with about eight other um, uh, Zeldin supporters, uh, Jaja and George. They're my friends. They're they're out there. And uh, just to let you know, most of the people that pass me, I would say seven out of ten are giving me thumbs up. Go Zeldin. Go Zeldin. Uh, very, very few people are going boo or whatever. Zeldin's a fascist or whatever nonsense coming out of their mouth. Just let you know, this is the belly of the beast. And in the belly of the beast, uh, you know, heavily blue, blue, blue New York, I'm getting uh, on the street people giving me a thumbs up. So just take it easy. Take it easy. Take a deep breath. Go out there and vote. And uh, things are going to be okay. Even it's coming from Norman, who predicts all sorts of crazy things. And but I'm just saying, it's not helpful. Go out there, go vote, and uh, things will be just fine on Tuesday. Great message, Norm. Thank you very, very much. Great message. And and it's interesting to hear your you like as you said, you know Macy's uh, blue, blue, blue uh, area right there of New York, uh, right in the heart of Manhattan. And yet they're giving you 70 percent of them are giving you a big old thumbs up. That's a really powerful message. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And, of course, everybody, I will be with you for Election Eve next week, uh, taking you through as the big, big results come in. I can't wait. And for the WABC listeners, me and my great buddy, Dominic Carter, well, the two of us will be taking you through the early results. Then I'll be joining you here on the show, uh, of course, as we always do every night. 
and we will be there for all of the big, big results, all the breaking news. It's going to be the best coverage anywhere, so you definitely want to stay tuned to that as we cover what is going to be the all-important election. I'm not going to give you a final warning like Ron Klain, because I think it's going to be a good night. I don't think uh, the world is coming to an end. I think the sunshine may pop out from some clouds. That's the way I foresee it. I'm I'm. I'm a, I'm like Norm. I'm a happy warrior. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go to Denise, uh, line two. Denise, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Rita, as disgusting and deplorable the words are from our feeble president, I think it only highlights the fact that they are so desperate, the Democrats, that they will stop at nothing and do fear-mongering on every level. They're bringing Obama out. They're bringing Clinton out. They're, they're trying to make us fear, like go in a corner and fear fearful. Well, freedom is not free, and it's time to stand up as Americans and get out and vote and say we are Americans, we value our freedom, and we are going to go and vote and vote for what we stand for. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Denise, you are amazing, and that is 1,000%. We all must get out and vote. Every vote counts, and these midterms are critical. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.